You are listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. risen Indeed, Indeed, Christ is risen. Now what? As I was driving along on I-70 a couple of weeks ago across eastern Colorado and western Kansas, there would be moments when I would become terrified when I saw smoke. Out on the plains, you can see for miles and miles, and my anxiety only grew more and more as I approached the billowing smoke. And as I approached, being the curious kid that I am, I pulled over and wanted to see how bad the wildfire was. And to my surprise, there was no wildfire in sight. Instead, there was a wide open field with an almost straight line of fire moving from east to west with some four-wheelers positioned a hundred feet in front of them. To my surprise, they were not there to put out the fire. They were there to monitor it and, dare I say, encourage it. When I was a kid, fire was no friend. I remember there were a couple of summers when it got so hot and dry in Wisconsin that you were required to water 10 to 20 feet around your house so that if your house burned down, it wouldn't burn down your neighbor's house. Living in California for three years, while the wildfires were at their peak, that did not help my fear of fire, not to mention debilitating smoke. So you can only imagine my anxiety and fear when I see the billowing smoke in the distance, not just in one field, but in one field at least every 20 miles. Is the world on fire? I hear that phrase used a lot these days, the world is on fire. Whether it be the cries of injustice, wars, not to mention the actual intensifying wildfires because of climate change, fire is destructive. It devastates, it consumes and destroys. So when in the hell, so why in the hell are these farmers being so reckless as to willingly light their fields and watch them burn? But then I remembered my summers in rural Minnesota. And farmers are some of the most intelligent people I know. They know the land like they know the back of their hand. They render crops out of literally nothing, and they overcome barriers that when I encounter them, I would just give up. So while I was with my best friend in Kansas, I posed this question to the farmers at her tiny little country Swedish Lutheran church. And when I asked why did they burn their fields, they looked at me and just smiled and laughed. I guess I can't hide the city slicker that I am. So they taught me that the farmers burned their fields like the Native Americans did. They were the first to use prescribed fire. It attracted buffalo to the new grass for easier hunting, and ranchers still use it today. 
There are even some plants that need the fire to melt the resin and open them up so that their seeds can be released and that they can actually grow. I also learned that burning your fields was not just a willy-nilly game. There are months of preparation, looking at average rainfalls, analyzing which fields or parts of fields would yield the best results if burned, and when the day comes, you must have a little rain or moisture in the air. Who knew fire could bring so much life? And who knew death could bring so much life? If we had it our way, there are many fires we would like to start so that we can burn it all down and let new life be born. And there are many fires we would like to prevent because we are convinced that there is no way in hell that something new may actually be born. We want to prevent fires because they will destroy the things we have invested in. If we think back on our lives, they have been defined by death and life. To exist in our true beings as images of God, we had to die to names, pronouns, forces that have attempted to rob us of our true image. To live life anew, we had to put to death our rel reliance on substances that try to convince us that dying was better. We had to put to death our family's expectations and trauma so that we can live in the fullness of life that God intends for us. And that death has never been easy. And that death has always led to new life in ways words cannot even explain. There are some parts of my life and our world that I am quick to burn down. I know in my bones that they need to die so that I am able to fully live. As someone who finally has a path forward to living inside my beautiful brain inside this world, there are still things that I have to die to, and frankly, I'm scared as hell to actually allow them to die. I am desperately trying to keep alive with chest compressions and shocks, and preventing the death is frankly killing me, killing us. Now that I am medicated and healing from trauma, the grave has convinced me that I still need THC and alcohol to keep me alive. Yes, I have put my warped relationship with food to death, but come on, Jesus, come on, Wiley, come on, world, isn't that enough? There are relationships that I don't want to die because of tradition, of history, of false and illusory security, and these are the very relations that I need to die because keeping them alive means me staying in the grave. But in Easter, in recovery, in our deepest pits, God surrounded us, filled us, told us that our place was not in graves, but in life. And that sure feels like a raging, destructive fire my soul so desperately needs. Many years ago, I fell in love with contemporary Christian rock song. Yes, let's all roll our eyes. We all had that phase. Come on now. And I realized that I had forgotten it for about 12 years, but it's been on my mind for the last several weeks. It goes something like this. Well, I keep on coming to this place that I don't know 
quite how to face. So I lay down my life in hopes to die, that somehow I might rise. Yes, I will rise, out of these ashes rise. From this trouble I have found and this rubble on the ground I will rise. Cause he who is in me is greater than I will ever be and I will rise. Yes, he who is in me is greater than I will ever be and I will rise. So I lay down my life in hopes to die that somehow we might rise. It's terrifying to risk it all. It was terrifying to Jesus to risk it all for us. It was terrifying for God to risk it all for us. It was terrifying for our ancestors of faith to risk it all for us. Christ is risen, now what? God only knows what is next when we light our fields on fire, when we lay to rest the things that we must kill before they kill us. But somehow, because we know how it ends, because we know that God has not failed us before, because we know that God has not ever left us in death, because we know that God has prepared us for such a time as this, because we know that God is our guardrail. The fire will not consume us. The grave cannot destroy us. Let it all burn down, and from the ashes we shall rise. You've been listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. If you would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, please visit our website at houseforall.org/giving.